You're listening to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and parents around the world. <sighs> Moms, how old will my children be? Right now, they're two and a half and six and a half. How old will they be when I can finally go a month without catching a cold? Message me on Instagram. I would love to know. <laughs> so new listeners, typically I record interviews with experts and best-selling authors. And then I'd say quarterly, I have two mom friends on the podcast, actress Claire Coffey and director Bridget Maloney. We were friends pre-motherhood. I had the first baby, Sabrina, and the two of them were waiting at my house when I came home from the hospital. It's really hard to edit these conversations because we all talk over each other. So just pretend like you're on our party line. <laughs> Bridget always seems to have something wrong with her sound as well. You know, definitely you have this to look forward to. We offer zero qualified parenting advice. Really, the reason I'm having them on is because I want to draw attention to the fact that these are two mothers who are creatively frustrated, who are getting told no, and who decided to take a bet on each other and figure it out and make something themselves. It's a short film called Blocks. It's an existential comedy about the mother of two young children who begins to spontaneously vomit plastic toy blocks. For a year now, we've been talking about this short film that Bridget was writing and directing and that Claire was going to produce and act in. We offered a podcast, Ask Me Anything, as a prize for when they were fundraising for their short film. So big shout out to our listeners, Vivian and Anne, for asking awesome questions that we got to answer in a previous podcast, but also for supporting the film. Now, Blocks is having its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival this week. It's Thursday, January 23rd. Claire's having a really big weekend because also our family was just featured in the New York Times. Her husband, musician Chris Thiele, was interviewed and they had these beautiful photos. And the title of it, if you want to look it up, is How Chris Thiele, Who Remade a Prairie Home Companion, Spends His Sundays. And there's this really sweet parenting quote that I have to offer now because the rest of this episode is not sweet at all. Chris says, Calvin is a constant reminder that I'm not always as present as I want to be. His go-to state of being is present. So I'm really grateful of that part of being his parent. Just a reminder of how I feel things were going down before smartphones. Honestly, that's what Sundays are about for Claire and me. It's an exercise in being present. I messaged Claire, and the photos really are incredible. And of course, what she texted me back was, have you ever seen a kid so pissed to be riding a carousel? <laughs> then I looked at the picture and I was like, yeah, he really he does look pissed. <laughs> uh, it's just the best. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be right back with these two girlfriends, these mom friends that I'm so proud of. Oh, God, join our party line. <laughs> I'll be right back. Okay, we have a crazy episode today. I am sure uh, we never disappoint in that department because our returning guests are Bridget Maloney and Claire Coffey. Claire, I got to start off by asking, 
tell me what's it like being all over television again. I keep having listeners message me about how they're spotting you in the trailer for that new NBC show, Lincoln Rhyme, Hunt for the Bone Collector. <laughs> I know, I was going to say all over television is a little bit of an exaggeration. I told Russell, who is Lincoln Rhyme, hunting for the bone collector. He is the one hunting for the bone collector, who I was on Grimm with. NBC has, it feels like, put more advertising, like promotional effort into the launch of the show than it did over like the six years of Grimm combined. Um, so that's why it feels well, like I'm back on television a lot. And I'm, yeah, I, I have a, a slice of camera footage in the trailer. Uh, but it's, it, it, uh, it's super cool. I great. It's great. I love it. It's, uh, I'm very happy about everything that's going on. Not in the world, but in my life. Personally. <laughs> Things are great. Bridget is a part of the AFI directing workshop for women. It's a year long program. And for their final project, they do a short film and then your short film is having its world premiere at Sundance this month. Yes, it is. In the um, day one, Shorts Program 1 of the 2020 Sundance Film Festival. That's how I'm supposed to say it. Where were you guys when you got the news? Well, Claire and I weren't together, but I was, uh, we had just gotten home from our camping trip, Ellie, and... And um, I was running a bath. Ellie was on the camping trip. I was running a bath for my younger child, who uh, will be three at the end of this month. And I was, um, and I missed a call from a number. And I knew Sundance called, and they usually call before Thanksgiving and the first week of November. So I was like, oh, the number is Beverly Hills. And I was like, could this be Sundance? It was Sunday. So I called right back and the message was like, hi, Bridget, this is Landon Zachheim calling from Sundance. Give me a call back as soon as you get this. And then like my heart started going crazy because like they're not going to call to tell me I didn't get in, you know. And then I called back. And at that point, my almost three year old was sitting on the potty pooping. And my husband was upstairs with our five year old helping her get ready for bed. And I was like, hi and he told me the news and said nice things about the movie and I started trembling and I was like this is so exciting and then my son was like call for me to come wipe him so that felt <laughs> very on brand and I was like I'm sorry I'm sorry hold on one second and I didn't wipe him I stood at the bottom of the stairs and shouted for my husband to come wipe him um <laughs> that's how you lighten the mental load and then um and then he gave us some details and then I couldn't get Claire on the phone for like 16 hours, which is the longest I feel like she's ever been out of. Know, she's usually typically like, very what? responsive. Eight of those going on between between six to eight of those were sleeping hours. But um, it's uh, the, the time change was really not working in our favor. But yeah, that was weird. But then by the time we got a hold of each other, she was she kind of knew what I was going to say because I'd been so persistent, and we knew when they were going to start calling people. So what what are you guys packing for this trip? Oh boy, <laughs> it's like a real um, topic. Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about this. Uh, Claire, you first. It's a week. It's a week. It's also the longest time by far 
that I've ever spent away from my child um, by double, like the longest time I've ever spent away from my child is three days. Um, he's four and a half. Like it's kind of a, th- that's not, that's not normal. I don't think, uh, I don't know. Not that it's not normal. That's just a long, it's a long time. I'm having anxiety about it, as you can tell, by the way. Uh, I'm talking right now. Um, a friend of mine slipped me for Xanax the other day. And she's like, just, just, just don't worry. Just put them in your suitcase just in case. I'm not saying you're going to have a freak out, but just so you know it's there. Because I, I, I'm one of those people who, like, I, I worry about, Myself dying, Calvin dying, Chris accidentally killing Calvin. Um, you know, it's like like there are things that I freak out about all the time, and and I think what what then what happens is that I feel like oh I'm thinking about these things, therefore I'm making them true, and then true? it starts this intense cycle of destruction. Two things. One, some people's anxiety disorders tell them that thinking about it means it can't happen. So there you go. And then the other thing is, oh, um, I I have a flavor of it too, but I'm like, because this is something that's for me and it's my career, it's selfish and therefore something terrible is going to happen. Oh, no. <laughs> that's what I think yeah, all the time. That's a whole whole new chapter. You are packing hand-me-down Xanax. Bridget, what are you packing for Sunday? It's- <laughs> my own Xanax. No, um, it's an out of band. No, I'm packing. I've, I've become like fixated on my parka situation. You just saw my new parka on mm-hmm. Skype when I accidentally showed my face. Uh, um, so I've been like, you don't even want to know the, the amount of energy I've spent on this jacket situation. I have a jacket and bag situation in the best of circumstances, like in an everyday capacity. I'm like always thinking about my outerwear and my bag. Um, and by bags, I mean my like whichever less than $30 nylon tote I have um, that I bought secondhand. Like I just bought a used Mosimo for Target bag and I was like, what am I doing? Um, but I, uh, so I have, a, I have two new jackets because I haven't lived on the East Coast in over 10 years. And my sister lives in Montreal, which is very, very cold. And I wore my parka from the last winter I lived in New York, last time I went to Canada, and it did not suffice. I don't know if it lost some of its power over the last 11 years. So I have two new parkas. So all I care about is my boots and my jacket situation. Also, everyone in Sundance is so casual. You guys, only the studio movie people get dressed up. Sundance is so, so, so casual over and over again. But then I don't know. I feel like I I I don't want to feel like a schlub. So I'm trying to walk a fine line between like cool sweaters and I don't have the budget to buy like a bunch of Lula Johnson and Ghani sweaters. Like that would be the dream. I'm renting a bunch of sweaters from Newly, that service. And I'm, I'm actually Newly, N-U-U-L-Y. It's the rent the runway from the anthropology people. Who, Ooh, whose politics wow. I object to, but right now I'm renting from them and I'm loving it, you guys. I'll send you a code. It's casual stuff, mostly. Okay. But like, we already know we're having fo- like a few photo studios. Claire and I are going to a couple and like those pictures, you know, it's like you've seen Mark Ruffalo in a beanie and like his yeah. cute parka. <laughs> so I, I don't 
to like take off our jackets but like i want to wear a cute parka for the people who click all the way to picture number 104 mm-hmm. <laughs> four on entertainment weekly mm-hmm. so like these well, are the and I, I mean listen I, I also think like the situation is what you make it and this feels like a big shot like this feels to me yeah. you both you both know this i because i told you it already I like this was the last when you move to LA and you have all these dreams and ideas about what you want your career to be. And then within six months, you, you realize, Oh, none of that's going to happen. I would like to buy soup, like make enough money to buy soup and rent. And then, but like the one sort of big dream in my head that I have still held on to, like, I don't know, decades later is going to Sundance or the project like that to me is what I have still longed for. Um, so, so like, I want to make a big effing deal out of it, including yeah. wardrobe. Well, we also haven't mentioned the other part of this, which is there's a documentary, uh, a film crew that's following me as part of a thing for the LA Times called Journey to Sundance. And it's going to be three six-minute episodes on the LA Times um, website and then also with Southwest Airlines because Southwest sponsors the short film festival um, and so the, these very nice people have been following me around and they're coming to Sundance and they're going to be there all seven days so it's also like even if we're just I mean we're being or so far I'm being my authentic self because it's too hard to not be but like and they've seen me in my comfy clothes already but like we're, this is being very documented. So I'd like to look nice, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'd like to make a splash. You are. You both are going to make a splash. I'm going to be clicking through all those portrait pages. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I went to Sundance in 2006. You know, o- over the past several episodes of Atomic Moms with you guys, you know, I tried to start a little game called I'm So Jealous and where we each share what we're so jealous of and Claire wouldn't play. So she ruined it. Um, (laughs) But you guys, I am so, so jealous because, yeah, yeah, I went uh, right after college. I was production coordinator on a documentary called An Unreasonable Man about Ralph Nader. It's available on Amazon Prime. And, you know, I was very plucky. I was a great researcher. I was really good at filling up the snacks and doing time coding, et cetera, all that nerdy stuff. Not so good at logistics, as our listeners also know about me. One of the producers and I, we missed our flight to Sundance because I, <laughs> she, she didn't think I had brought enough press packets. So we had to go back to my apartment to get the rest of them. And we ended up missing our flight. Um, oh my God. But I'm still, I'm so jealous that you're there with your own project. When you have a drink, what is your cocktail of choice? I always do a Manhattan with rye, proper Manhattan, or a gin martini, but usually that like my Manhattan is winter months, perfect gin martini, which is two to one, a little more vermouth, a very wet gin martini. Oh, I like a wet gin martini with a twist. Yeah, that's the that's the correct way to make a martini <laughs> okay. for sure. <laughs> um, so Bridget made a really great point about like you know it's all about the coat in the bag, 
And I'm very curious, what is your bag of choice? I feel like you will have a very strong opinion about this. Also, because as a New York actress who has a preschooler, I imagine that there are many days where you end up all over town at auditions or recording something and then having to pick up Calvin and then meeting up with Chris afterwards, that your bag is like my car trunk in L.A. So what do you take to Sundance? Because you're not going to be heading home much. You're just going to go from event to event to event. We, on our our wardrobe um, text chain, we've been talking a lot about um, belt bags, fanny packs, and a crossbody satchel. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I bought, I have, you know, my, my backpack that I wear every day, but that I got a couple of those like crossbody nylon, kind of what Bridget's talking about. I have a, I have a navy blue nylon crossbody and I have a white leather crossbody for fancier occasions. And what is... Oh, wait, tell me that. Yeah. Okay. What's your backpack? Uh, I, I have this leather Claire... Vivier um, backpack that I've had now for for a zillion years, where I can fit, I can actually hold like quite a bit in that. So that's my that's my that's my daily bag. Are you guys? I am imagining you in bunk beds. <laughs> what is your sleeping arrangement? Oh my god! No, <laughs> we have a condo. We have a condo that Claire and Kristen are sharing at the king size bed and I'm in the queen size room because Dan, my husband is coming for two nights, but we, this, the housing bonanza is so crazy. And for a second, so one of our other producers has a house with like how many beds, 11 or something, but people have to share beds. So, which is fine if it's us, but like one of the, one of my, um, Somebody who works at AFI was saying that she just got a lead on a place to stay. And then the person messaged her and said, but are you okay sharing a bed with a stranger? And I was like, well, are you in sleeping bags on top of the cover? She's like, I don't care. I'm not doing it. So it does get kind of like bohemian very fast. Yeah. Because everything is so expensive. Everything is so So expensive. Like so ridiculous. And it's not like you're being paid to go. Right. Right. It's like, oh, God. Oh, it's so bad. And and you see on Airbnb where you're like, normally this room would be $89 a night, but it's Sundance. So now it's 550 and it's uh, yeah. shocking. Since you're going to be drinking your Manhattans uh, and it's going to be very cold and dry, what is your moisturizing or routine? Negroni. There's this Negroni. <laughs> there, oh, I'm going to stop. So you, you finished the conversation and I just kept going. Um, no, I can, I like, you know, I can feel you lighting up on the other end of the line when I bring up alcohol. What, so Negroni is the other choice? <laughs> it's, a, it's cocktails. I like one cocktail. You know. I know you're very particular uh, about it. And then listeners, just so you know, she'll drink like good. four sips yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. You're very discerning. There's like, if, yeah. Or if it's, if it's a, if it's a bar where like you don't, it's one of the, it's just like a, you have no idea. You know, sometimes the big parties, they're just throwing alcohol in a cup and it's kind of college style. Yeah. Then you just do a Campari and soda. You can't really screw that up. The festival is also sponsored by Stella Artois. So there's like Stella everywhere, which I like. I generally like a like a heavier beer. 
but it's delicious. And it's like the only beer that's available with Sundance events, but it's very available. And they also, at the director's orientation, there was a moment where people were like, hey, just so you know, the altitude affects people's alcohol tolerance. So like, watch out for that, which I was like, oh, this is evidently a real problem. Well, it'll also uh, lead to bloating and gas. And if you're sharing a condo with 12 people, like some of your colleagues, it can lead to awkward moments. With the altitude, the dryness, the alcohol, the no sleep, the stress of, you know, really grabbing this moment. You're making it sound great. What what is your moisturizing routine? How are you going (laughs) to look your indie best for these, uh, you know, when the paparazzi catch you in the streets? (laughs) I'm gonna I'll cover all of the really vapid narcissistic part of this uh thirty minutes and Bridget's gonna handle You're more of the about. um uh hard hard news stories. Uh I you my my favorite stuff is by my the, the facialist that I used to go to when I lived in Portland, Oregon for six years, five years. And she makes this stuff called magic mushroom hydrating serum. Uh, it's called Heart of Gold. And then I, I did get turned on to that, um, the May Lindstrom blue, blue Cocoon. This is not, none of this is, these are not budget items. I'll say that up front. Uh, the Blue Cocoon. And then also this stuff that you get at Whole Foods called, it's by Waleda. And it's this like green, it's kind of, it, oh, it skin feels food. like skin food. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it smells confused. Really Dan thinks it smells like gin. That's funny. Speaking of gin, because he's always like, "What? Did you? What smells like gin?" And I'm like, "My hand cream." <laughs> I mean, um, like botanical. I like the Waleda. Yeah, I like all their stuff actually. Their almond face stuff is really good too, but it's very almondy. I have only sort of been thinking about this. I'm having stress skin. It turns out. Even exciting things are stressful and it turns out my body reacts to them. This whole, my whole life I've been like, I'm impervious to physical manifestations of stress. I just have IBS and and acne, Um, but I am, I'm bringing out, but I have been using everyday oil. um, Speaking of like small batch face stuff. And I like that a lot. It, It smells like a spa. Okay. Well, thank you for everything that I really needed to know about, like sleep arrangements and wardrobe choices. But seriously, I, when I think about it, this is so crazy. You have a short film premiering at Sundance. Like, ah! I mentioned in the introduction that, you know, this is all sort of, this all comes from rejection. Uh, Bridget had applied to the American Film Institute's Women in Directing program and it's very hard to get into. And she got rejected and she was down about it. Because when you really want something and you get rejected, it sucks. Yeah. It doesn't matter how hard it would be to get the thing. It still hurts when you don't get it. And so she was feeling depressed. And meanwhile, it was Claire's first pilot season auditioning again after the end of her TV show, Grimm. So she had had this incredible, you know, once in a lifetime job for years on a TV show shooting in Portland, Oregon, that ends and she needed to go out and audition again. And she was experiencing Hollywood as a game of shoots and ladders all over again. Um, And she wasn't getting cast in that moment. And so they were both down and Bridget had written a script for a sample television episode. 
called I Was a Teenage Pillow Queen. And Claire was like, well, you don't need to go to school to direct this. You don't need their permission. Let's do it. And she said she'd act in it and be a producer on it. And so they shot it and they really winged it from the way they tell it. And it got into Tribeca Film Festival. And then Bridget reapplied to AFI's directing program and she got in this time. And so during that year-long program at AFI, she wrote and directed this short film, Blocks, that Claire stars in. And then it gets into Sundance. I mean, this is so crazy. Am I, what am I missing from the origin story? <laughs> Nothing, I don't think. Uh, no, I think it's a good reminder that the, I, that, that, that maker, like it, it, you have to, well, in Ellie, we, with, with, um, Kelsey and Kelsey, like we, there was a good example in that too. It's like, if you're frustrated or bored or feeling bereft of just an industry, like, you know, you're not, you're, or just out of control, which is like, I, you know, when I get frustrated, it's because I feel like I'm, it's, I'm, I'm not in control of the situation. So like making something, whatever it is, if you put yourself in the driver's seat and just do the thing, which obviously is easier said than done, but if you just do the thing, chances are it's going to lead to something like maybe not Sundance, but it will lead to something like this. I don't know. I'm putting too much weight on Sundance, but just meaning that actually, and I, I remind myself of this every day. Like I am not trying to spew advice. I'm trying to remind myself of the advice that I need to be taking every day, which is like carve out an hour of your day to just like think or dream or, or, focus on story if that's or 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 you know if you're an inventor or something just 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 something that you can have ownership of because it's never going to be a bad idea I guess that's the bottom line it's never going to be a bad yeah. idea and I think when we when we did Pillow Queen that was like you know Bridget was saying that she was down I also like it was the first LA it was the first pilot season I spent in LA since Grimm ended and at the end of Grimm, I think we all thought, oh, okay, well now, like, this is it. Now we get another show and, like, we paid our dues, was on, we were on the network show, and now, like, what's going to be the next thing that someone's going to hand in my box? And, of course, the answer is nothing. Like, you can't expect anything in life, in this business, and anything. Like, you got to go get it. So, um, so I think that was when Bridget sent me the script and very selfishly it had a, like, fantastic role that I I was in the right age bracket to play um, and felt like I wanted to do it very, very badly so much so that I was just going to like put my savings toward that. How did Claire get you, Bridget, to move from a feeling, a state of depression to, yeah, let's do this? Because that's a hard I mean, she has very, she's done this for me with our web series, Chelsea and Kelsey, and also when we wrote uh, the film version of it, like where I was really, I was recovering from my niece tumor and down in the dumps. And she's like, let's do this thing. Or when I was feeling really down when I was pregnant, she's like, let's do this thing. So I, I have also been the uh, recipient of that sort of like mm -hmm. driving positive energy. But there's a lot of people yeah. out there who are like, wait, I'm very creative. I feel stalled. How 
how do you move through that towards something that is quite frankly terrifying? Yeah, well, I think it was a combo of like Claire and I had, it felt like, well, actually we talked about it really seriously that night that we saw Claire's husband play at live from here in Pasadena. And then mm. Adam and I ended up having our own date at the other side of the table by mistake. Do you remember that, Ellie? I do you remember that. I had such a good time with Claire's mom that night. Anyway, go on. Yeah, it was, we all, we all were having one-on-one, but it was like not with who we'd come with. Um, Adam and I had a great time that night, but I, um, I, when I came home, I was like, Adam and I had a great dinner, but I, <laughs> Uh, Claire and I talked about it then and Claire was like hey if you get into AFI like I'll 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 do it and I'll help you finance it and and she didn't finance it and I was like oh great so it the, the seed had been there I think it's a combination of feeling like we were in it together and like to have someone's confidence like I I feel like I've earned it more now but when we did it, I was like, I don't know why Claire believes in me this much. <laughs> With, and I mean, and I think I said it to her and I said it to Dan, my husband, a bunch of times. I was like, this is kind of crazy. And I think like, that's always nice if you can receive it, if you believe the person. Cause like, I think Claire has great taste and mm-hmm. is a wonderful actor and is obviously very experienced and skilled. And like, if she thought I could do it, I guess I could, you know? And I had been directing, so it wasn't like, you know, I had no, no, no idea, but it was a lot of confidence and that gave me a lot of confidence. Um, and but so, for me, you it know, was so obvious, it was like, so it was so the script was so good and it was so unlike anything I'd read before, you know, I've read so many pilot scripts at this point. And it felt inevitable to me. I think I said that to you, Bridget, when we were doing it. Like, it feels very much like this has to get made. People have to see this. People have to know what this is and who you are. That's how it felt to me. Like, this, this is, this, this, like, this voice should be out there. Like, it felt like a, like, like justice was not being done by the fact that this wasn't in, in the world for public consumption. Like, this. I felt like this person can make people's days better, like through connection and humor and all of those, like all of the reasons that, that people watch stories on film. You know, in closing, I just want to ask you quickly about trusting your voice because the way you share this story is different. The way the lens that we look at motherhood is different than what we typically see and what is more commercially, you know, just out there right now. It definitely doesn't feel like a Pampers ad. And I'm wondering about trusting yourself in that. I did a web series a zillion years ago where we interviewed guests and it was called Married, Single, Divorced. And I was the married one. And I remember shooting the pilot episode. I was interviewing Harris Whittles, who was a a stand-up comic and a writer for Parks and Recreation. And so he has since passed away. But when we shot that pilot, I showed it to some guys. One guy in particular was like, who did a bunch of like comedy stuff. He was like, don't show this. And I ignored him. And I don't think I told my, the two women that I created this with, I just didn't tell them that he said that. And I'm so glad I did share it. Not only because now I have this footage 
with someone, you know, who was a bright light in this world, but also because it was funny and it was good, but it just wasn't his voice. Yeah. And so I'm so glad I'm, you know, forged ahead anyway. And I'm wondering, like, what do you guys do in those moments where you're like, well, I have a very, you have a very particular styles. And how do you, when you come up against what I get, like the norm core of it all, like, how do you stay firm and like, oh, just because this isn't for everybody doesn't mean that it doesn't really resonate strongly with some very important people like us. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I'm very nervous about, I not so much anymore, but like I, so I'm doing, I'm doing press for the movie right now. Nice to say. Um, so I'm answering like the same questions over and over again. And I feel like I have to say every time I really love my children. Mm. So I was like, I really <laughs> love my children. I really love being a mother. I'm incredibly privileged. I can afford help. I have a supportive partner. And I'm a white woman who presents as a woman who who identifies as a woman who's married to a man. Like, and it's still hard. And it's still hard. I'm like, and I still have I still made this movie about boundaries and feeling overwhelmed and like the dissolution of self in early parenthood. Um, even with everything going for me in the world. So mm-hmm. I feel self-conscious about like will this film be received in the spirit in which I made it and so far it has been and like that's what's also been so exciting about the lead up to Sundance is like a lot of people have seen the movie at at Sundance and like a lot of people had to decide it was going to be shown this year and then I'm hearing from them and I'm getting feedback that's obviously positive because they chose it but also I'm hearing that the movie works and it doesn't work for just parents and that it's funny because like I thought it was funny. And then mm-hmm. when we were making it, I really wanted to make sure that like some of the darker stuff came through. And then I was like, Ooh, maybe it's coming through a little too loud and clear in the edit. <laughs> but like it got, it got there. It got there. It's funny. Claire is wonderful. Everybody says that, which is also so exciting, which is obvious. And like Claire's wonderful. And that has nothing to do with me. But it's so nice to hear people say like well I just told Claire that the programmer who actually called to tell me that we got in when I saw him at this orientation the other night I was saying hello to him and he was said nice things about the movie and then he was like man your lead is so so good and I was like yeah she's great and he was like she really is she's so so good and I was like she's wonderful and he said yeah she is she's wonderful I'm like I knew that when we were shooting it that it was all there but the movie's like really just Claire's face doing things and like and so she carries it perfectly but so the point is I don't I trust it because I like it and like I've learned to be like I like this and I like my taste and I hope this lands and if it doesn't you don't have to watch it there are 9,000 other things to watch at all times right now and you know it's mm-hmm. not it's not for everyone that, that's you know it's not for everyone and and that's it but yeah I do it's, it's hard to trust that and like I just I have to sort of focus on the process of like, I love making things and I, and I have to hope other people love watching them, but I love making them. And that's really all I can control the end, I guess. I love that. In my twenties, trying to be a creator, I was so solipsistic about needing the work that I was making to be an A plus, to like be good enough. And like I needed it to give me the confidence to share it instead of just being confident in myself. Mm-hmm. 
but also this idea that there it was coming from this place of lack, like, oh, there's, I can't put something out in the world unless I'm, like, if it's not going to break the world, why would I put it out in the world? Instead of being like, there's so much space mm-hmm. for the things that we make. And there are so many eyeballs and ears and like souls that want to connect with it. And we have to put it out there in order for that to happen. And it makes me sad to think of like a decade's worth of material that I sort of just always hid in a drawer instead of realizing like that I can put stuff out there. Like mom's listening. Like if you have something and you, you it's a part of you, share it. Yeah. Because like who cares about the people that don't relate to it? Like that material isn't, my material is not for everyone. Like if I made Atomic Moms podcast, like the the same guy who told me not to make the web series also would have been like, why would anyone want to listen to someone talk about parenting, you know? Mm-hmm. But there is value in it anyway. And what I find value in is different than someone else. And so I'm so glad that other people have been courageous enough to share their voices regardless of whether or not it's been in the mainstream. And obviously we all know that most things are ruined by the mainstream. <laughs> I think it's like, what is it doing for you? So like, because I think that is the thing that holds us back so much is worrying about how it's going to be received or worrying that like, because I have that too, like this is not the best idea that anyone ever had. So why am I going to bother? Yep. And in Instead, if you just like actually go through the process of putting it down or telling somebody about it to see who can help you make it happen and and how that will enrich their life and just broadening your community. And if the thing that the idea that you have, if if all that it does is introduces you to one or two other people who are going through what you're going through and and therefore strengthens your community and expands your community, then like worth it, 100% worth it already. I think that's a lesson that I've learned. So good. Well, you guys are ready for your panels. I'm glad that I did this warm up (laughs) with you both. (laughs) Um, Okay, listeners uh, or friends, tell our listeners where they can find you and this project. (laughs) You can follow along on Instagram. We're at Blocks the Film. And my my personal uh, professional Instagram is Bridget Maloney, M-O-L-O-N-E-Y at Instagram. And you can also find um, the website BlockTheFilm.com that has our screening times and other information. Claire. And I'm at Claire Coffee. And then and for listeners who want to see your film, do, like what? Where do shorts go after this? This will be. Um, I don't know. It depends. So there's like it turns out Europeans love, and so um, there are a lot of sales agents. And it's not like this is gonna. You know, we're not gonna make a ton of money, but you can sell them to really like a lot of European outlets. We are developing a series based on blocks, a television series but it doesn't exist yet, obviously. However, the short will be live on the AFI website for a few weeks in March or April. Um, And then eventually it'll be like, you know, available on the internet, depending on what happens with it. But like, hopefully it'll get to be short of the week or something on Vimeo or somewhere else. And then uh, I'll let everybody know. But right now 
it's a closely guarded piece of artistic material. But you can go to our website and see the trailer and stuff. Yay. Okay. Love you guys. Thank you for coming on. Love you too. I can't wait to watch what unfolds this month. Will you, you tell me who that person was after you sign off? Will you tell me who the guy is? Oh, yeah, me too. Okay, listeners, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Just go to iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. You can also check out our website, AtomicMoms.com, where you can stream our podcast episodes and get you know some of the research that I do for episodes. I'll put in my show notes as well as more information about our guests. You can also check out our Atomic Moms shop. It's a limited edition collection that I created with artist Madeline Donahue. We are nearly sold out in many sizes, but check it out. Also, I should say this once, uh, my sizing's a little wonky. So an XL is really kind of like a medium slash large. So go ahead and get an XL because there's some of those left. And it's seriously like shouldn't be sizing. That can be a podcast for another day. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I love hearing from you, especially on Instagram at Atomic Moms. Leave a comment. Uh, and until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. <laughs>